Welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriela Ariana Campoverde, but you can call me Gabby. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the two founders of New York City FinTech Women, Michelle Tran and Sasha Pilch. Founded in 2017, this organization connects, promotes, and empowers women in their professional advancement in the FinTech industry. Today, they have more than 5,000 members including women and allies across investing, technology, and policy roles. I had the pleasure of meeting Michelle and Sasha when I first became interested in FinTech, and it's been wonderful to see this organization and their partnerships grow. New York City FinTech Women proudly hosts events across the city and works with companies who are early or late stage to bring together women and allies. In this episode, you will hear about what motivated Michelle and Sasha to grow this network, more about their careers in fintech, and what they have planned for the future of New York City fintech women. I am excited to let you hear more about them. So let's get started. Thanks so much for joining, guys. It's wonderful to see your faces again. Uh, where are you guys zooming in from? It's great to see you as well. And thanks so much for having us. I'm calling in from Williamsburg, New York City. And I'm calling in from clear across the country in the Bay Area. So in uh, Oakland, California, even though my background says I really want to be in New York. <laughs> I think we all want to be in New York at some point during the day. Um, I'm curious if you can start off by telling us a bit more about your organization, how you guys work primarily with like New York fintech women. Yeah, absolutely. So our mission as an organization is to connect, promote, and empower women to advance their careers in fintech. We've been around for four years now, and we started, well, actually, Michelle was the genius behind the idea. She posted an event on Meetup, and we had 16 women attend. I was one of them. And I agreed with Michelle that there was such a huge opportunity for this. So we then worked together and we've had tremendous growth, which has been awesome. So we now have 7,000 members. We've held hundreds of events with top fintech companies, including the likes of Plaid, Stash, Payoneer, pretty much all of the top ones and enterprise level clients as well, like Google and NASDAQ. And we do a lot of content and help women land promotions or new jobs. And as Sasha mentioned, our, our mission really is, you know, those three key words, the connect, empower, and promote. I think one of the, the more important words there is really the promote piece, because historically women have not promoted themselves. And so part of what we do too, besides the events, is providing a lot of different platforms to promote really amazing women in, in fintech. And that's everything from our FinTech Female Fridays, where we showcase a woman every single week who is doing something really transformative and amazing in FinTech. We are have our FinTech Fireside Minute, which allows women to really be subject matter experts and share their content with our members and broader audience on everything from crypto to financial inclusion to payments. And we also have our inspiring FinTech Female list. And so for us, it's really important to say, okay, you know, I'm a female in FinTech and I, I want to get ahead or I want to be able to impact this industry. 
how do I do that by building my own brand? And how do I do that by um, being more visible in the marketplace? Awesome. And what inspired you to start this? Yeah. So for me, it was really, I mean, I've been in financial services for many, many years. I was at BlackRock for a number of years globally. And I joined a, a smaller fintech firm, though I wouldn't say they're, they're tiny, but they're you know smaller than BlackRock. For me, was being part of financial services at the crossroads of financial services and tech and seeing that there weren't a lot of females. And it's just the age old story, you know, right? In financial services and tech, there, you know, I was typically the only female in a 10 person meeting where it was primarily male. And I personally struggled with finding women in fintech to connect with, to build my network with, because we all know. Um, in order to really have success, it's really primarily your network that helps you with that. And so we're big proponents of building your network and building your own personal board. And so for me, I couldn't find the right home. I went to a number of women in tech events and I had to search to the crowd for that one female in fintech, or I went to a number of fintech events and I had to search to a crowd of men to find the female, you know, the five females who would be attending. And obviously that story has really changed in the past four years and not just because of our org, but just generally how the market's doing. But I found that there was really an opportunity for us to organically create a community where we could really help each other with our careers and help each other when we think about how do we impact this industry too. I don't want to be the only female in a room. I want to be in a room with at least half females or all females. I want us all to have an equal say. And so when Sasha mentioned that we were, you know, out of bar for 16 women, that's really how it started was you know, one day I had got really frustrated with the fact that we're, I couldn't find a community. So I made one up, decided to start a meetup, paid my meetup dues, found a bar that would take us. You know, we'd hope we have a lot of people. And on a rainy Tuesday in New York in the Flatiron, we had 16 amazing women come to our very first meetup. And that's where I would thankfully met Sasha. Um, and, you know, the story was where we've grown from the 16 women to now 7,000 and, and really helping to transform a lot of lives, which was what's really important to us at the end of the day. Yeah, and I want to personally thank you guys. I still remember my first meetup. We were at Morty in Soho and the caliber of women there, it was incredible. Clearly you guys were there, but there were so many folks who were willing to be welcoming. And I remember someone had just started their own startup in the retirement space. You had the CEO of Alloy, of course. It was an incredible opportunity and people were so well organized with every event and the ability to walk into a room and feel comfortable, not necessarily feel like you have to be in a t-shirt and jeans to get someone to pay attention to you. That, that was an awesome feeling. Yeah, I remember that event well. It was definitely one of our earlier ones and it was in the Morty office down in Soho and the <laughs> female founder that we had speak was Rianne Horgan, who's the CEO of Kinder. And I remember back then, it was also a female founder that is a co-founder of Morty. Nora Epsel. Yeah, Nora Epsel. And looking at that compared to like the event we did for International Women's Day at NASDAQ, where we had a thousand attendees, like granted that was virtual, but still like it, it's really like amazing to see how quickly this caught on. And that's like pretty awesome. I think part of that too is, the spirit that we go into all of our events. I think some events you go into and then it's, it's a little bit more competitive environment. For us, it's all about how can you help the person that's right next to you, right? There's so many ways that we can help each other. And so for us, a big part of what we went into the very, very beginning was 
hey, we're here to network. We want to provide you with content, but we also want you to spend a bulk of your time meeting a lot of people. And so we always said, you have to meet five people. And the reason why we said five was because then that probably ended up, you probably ended up meeting like three or four. And it was a, a really great way for people to build their network. And as you know, you probably came to more than just one event, you started seeing the same people and you really started building these really deep, strong relationships. And that's what we're starting to see now in the fintech industry is that these relationships are really paying dividends for a lot of people, which is so cool. Yeah, I think it was such a good rule that Michelle made of, okay, you need to meet at least five people and you can blame it on me. And then I'd always yeah. hear people <laughs> in the audience going, Michelle said that I have to meet five and you're my third. And like, it was just such an open, like relaxed, fun environment. So I'm so happy that we're going back to physical events, hopefully soon now that things are starting to open up again. Yeah. I think most networking sessions and meetups less so, but they tend to be a bit transactional. Whereas with that rule, I remember one of my now close friends, she had moved from SF to New York and was there for a week and was like, I'm interested in fintech. Can we just chat? And that's how it all got started. We were friends initially and you know, she was able to find a job at actually Povo afterwards. So it worked a lot of wonders. So thank you for that again. I'm curious, like, can you guys talk about how you developed your network, like building out this organization? Because you know, you both had wonderful careers and I'm curious how this really empowered your next move. For me, it was the crucial thing. Like, um, I'm Australian, you can probably tell from my accent. I lived in London for a little bit working for the large banks like City over there. I moved to New York City. I didn't know anyone at all. And so going to Michelle's first meetup really made me so excited as this could be like a way for me to meet other people in the industry. And now I know 7,000. So it's definitely paid off. Yeah, I think, I think New York is a really magical place too. And I, I have a lot of New York FOMO. I'm just saying that as I sit in the Bay Area. But New York itself is magical when it comes to being able to meet people and networking. And not, you know, not just personally, but professionally. And I think that was one of the really cool things about New York, too, is that you can go to three networking events in one night. Thankfully, a lot of the networking events were centralized in Flatiron at a certain time. But you could hop down 23rd and 2nd, and then you can hop over to 23rd and 5th and be able to, to go to these various different networking events. And that's really how we started this was through, you know, kind of one, not just putting ourselves out there as an organization, but also attending others and inviting that conversation in. Part of what we want to do too, and what we were doing was with other organizations, how can we get more females visible within their, you know, their panels or whatnot? So we would go to these other events and be like, hey, we're women, uh, NYC FinTech women, can we help you get more women on your panel? Because, you know, your last one wasn't quite there. And so, you know, really put ourselves out there and partnered with a lot of different conferences to help them with that. That's amazing. It's funny that you bring up New York so much and I, and I was sitting here in Philadelphia. I just went into a little daydream of what life used to be like in New York. Um, but how has it been moving this to a virtual setting? You know, you've clearly been able to amplify your message and also come up with great content. And I've seen what you're posting on your blogs and through LinkedIn. And but how has that transition been? And what are some highlights? Well, we actually, so I made the move over to the West Coast right before the pandemic for personal reasons. And so we were thinking about how do we expand our footprint? Because we were getting a lot of demand from the Bay Area, from London, Austin, um, you know, a number of different places. And so for us, we kept on thinking about it. 
really, you know, honestly, I remember we were sitting in a leadership team meeting and we're like, this is going to be done in two weeks. We don't have to change anything. Let's stay the course. We have events all through the summer in person, hundreds of people, and then quickly realize, okay, those are not going to happen. So how do we continue to give our members the opportunity to be part of a community to hear content? And that switch to virtual just happened so fast. And we just had to make sure it happened because we didn't want to lose that connectivity. And we didn't want our members to lose that connectivity because also at that time, a lot of people were losing jobs. And that was hard for people that they were going through a lot of personal issues and then professional. And so we're really adamant about keeping our current programming and just shifting it to a different platform. So instead of in person, you know, let's just go virtual. I think the, the best thing is, is that we've actually been able to really expand our footprint because of it. So we did a, a recent look at where are our members. And while the majority of them are still sit in New York City, we have about 30% who don't sit in New York City anymore. They're anchored in places like the Bay Area or Austin, but a lot of them are, you know, kind of everywhere else because now that they can tap into, you know, these virtual different conferences and, and panels, it's really kind of opened up our ability to impact more people, which I think is really cool. Yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot more members in like other fintech hubs like Boston, Atlanta. When we were physical event only, we did have the limitation of location and venue size. So we would post an event in the morning and by 12 p.m. it was full capacity of 300 attendees and 300 people were on the wait list. So moving to virtual, like remove those limitations and it has been good for us from an expansion perspective for sure. Um, The other thing that Michelle mentioned was like during the pandemic, there were so many people that were losing their jobs, which was so hard. At the same time, being in my role where I'm, selling to venture-backed companies, I had so many usually male CEOs asking me, hey, can you help me hire more females or can you help me hire more diverse teams? And so we saw that as such a perfect opportunity to connect our members that were coming to us saying, hey, I've just lost my job with these well-funded companies that had a focus on supporting diversity. And that's really how the Hire Her initiative was born during the pandemic. So that's where we're able to have companies advertising roles. We can make direct introductions to talented women that are looking to fill those spots. That's awesome. So what's next for your organization? I know Michelle had hinted at something, but I was curious if you could talk a bit more about it. Well, we this year we launched a podcast, so we're super excited about that um, as we're talking on a podcast. But you know, part of our podcast, and that's headed up by Nicole Newland, her whole goal with there is really to shine a longer light and a brighter light on women in fintech. So we do our fintech email Fridays, but that's just like one article. And we want to really dig into a lot of their journey and, and what they're doing in the space. And so the podcast gives us the ability to do that. I think what we want to do going forward, one is continuing to have a bigger impact outside of location, right? And that's where being able to go virtual has allowed us to do that. So we're going to keep this hybrid model of virtual and in-person most likely we're definitely going to expand out physically to other locations in terms of physical events. So look out, you know, San Francisco will be doing something probably soon-ish. But that's our, our goal is really, you know, how can we have the biggest impact possible? Because in order for all of us to succeed, we need to do it together and you need to build that network together. And that's where, you know, we want to be um, a big part of that story for a lot of people if we can. And we're so fortunate to be part of that story for a lot of people. Clearly, you guys have such amazing experiences in BlackRock, Apex Clearing, and you know, now you're at Harness Wealth. Um, 
And Sasha, you have a wonderful international background, having worked at so many banks and you know, Kobo, Pod, and now Pinwheel. What are some trends that keep you excited or what interests you the most about working in this space? I can go first. Um, so what I've seen that's been really exciting and like I think I was very lucky and fortunate that when I first got into fintech, I did choose Quovo, which was then acquired by Plaid. It allowed me to see what's happening across all of the fintech industry because it's a service provider to payments and lending and wealth tech and crypto and like every type of vertical within fintech. So that's really what's led me to where I am now at Pinwheel. You know, that was such a hot space of bank account aggregation and like the visa acquisition, or even though it fell through, it is definitely evidence of that. So where I'm at with Pinwheel right now is we're a payroll API and it is definitely an exciting space because we're kind of like seeing it as aggregation 2.0. And again, I get to service all the different verticals within fintech. So it's really exciting. Yeah, for me, I think there's there's very two specific areas that I think are, are exciting from a trend perspective. One is digital currency. And so I know there's crypto, Bitcoin has been up and down. You know, I think it swings of tens of thousands of dollars. But what that's really done is it's opened the rest of the world to what can digital currencies really be and, and play a part of. And so I come at it really from like more of, a, I guess, an institutional enterprise corporate lens, given my years at BlackRock in my years at Apex, and how is it transforming what JP Morgan is doing? How is it transforming what BlackRock is doing? It's pretty amazing the fact that we're they're now accepting this new asset class, and there's so many different variations of this asset class. And so I think there's definitely much more to see when it comes to the digital currency space. The other piece too, and what we've really seen during the pandemic is the use of fintech and the use of digital payments specifically when it comes to the underserved markets. And so for me, I do have outside of my my career. You know, before that, I interned at UNHCR. I had a, a kind of a, a deep passion on how do you help underserved markets globally? And that's something I actually really want to get back to is, is really having kind of a, a broader impact there. But what you're seeing is a lot of fintechs kind of come up and really building out platforms to help underserved. So either it's those that you know don't have bank accounts and need bank accounts, even specifically as those who have who need, say, food stamps or vouchers, right? So part of the pandemic. Um, I think Capway was one firm that was really interesting where they really helped a lot of single mothers in that space when it came to the services that they got from the government. And that, as you probably know, is like a very archaic, slow moving body. And so how do you build a platform to really help people in different markets outside of the kind of the standard main street and help their lives be better? You know, even see that with Blue Acorn with PPP, you know, they were able to facilitate all these different loans when the big institutions can't. So it's really interesting to see, even in the short, say, 16, 18 months and while we've been in this pandemic, kind of the opportunities that have come up and people really be innovative in that sense. And it's very similar to what we saw when there was the, um, you know, in 2008, the great financial crash. You saw out of that all these really cool, innovative ideas of great companies. And so I think we're starting to see that in this space. And while Michelle was talking about that, I was realizing that our next NYC FinTech Women event is actually purely focused on exactly that topic. So we're doing it with Square Cash App and Chime. So definitely two amazing FinTech companies that helping that underserved market just get a much fairer chance at becoming banked. And are there any other companies that you admire or you're 
like smaller startups that you're really interested in, like seeing where they're going to go in the next two to three years? So many. <laughs> so many. I think um, like the neo bank space is really interesting um, and banking as a service because before you had these huge banks and now you have a lot of really specific banks who are doing cool stuff for different segments of the population who have very niche needs, right? So like Daylight is serving the LGBTQ community. And when you think about it and you, un- you kind of peel back the onion, it's so beneficial that they're doing that because there's different challenges that you know this community faces when it comes to money that they need to think about when it comes to community property or it comes to funding adoption, right? And so it's really cool to see how these um, neobanks have popped up. So like Daylight, First Boulevard, um, First Boulevard is serving Black Americans and there's a number of other ones. That are, I love the, the fact that they're segmenting. It's kind of like what happened with robo-advisors about five, six years ago, is that they're providing really specified services and customized services, which I think is, you know, kind of the next direction when it comes to banking. And I'm curious, like, what's one thing that, you know, as you're looking at your careers, you think you're clearly so, Michelle, you had kind of talked about this a bit more, but what do you see next or what facet of fintech do you see yourself working in? I, you know, I think the problem I have is I want to do a little bit of everything because there's so many cool, interesting things in fintech is, you know, I, I want to run with wealth tech because that's my background, but then digital currencies is really cool and, and payment space. And now there's a couple companies that are popping up that's fintech as a service. And so how do you help, you know, kind of tie the bigger corporations and bigger enterprises with all these really cool fintechs in the space because they need the help. So, you know, the partnership days, I think for me, Right now, so I founded my own consultancy called Storm King Advisors. And part of that really was also to expand my industry knowledge of fintechs in general and, and getting kind of um, a firsthand experience with them. And so I work with a lot of fintechs when it comes to their infrastructure, what they're doing on the BD sales partnership space, and then how they actually build partnerships with bigger entities. So I think that's what I'm going to focus on, at least for the next you know, foreseeable future. But I think there's just so much opportunity. It's hard to say exactly where I'm going to be. And I, yeah, I, I talk to so many interesting companies every day and I, I want to be a part of them all because they're all doing such cool stuff. <laughs> For me, I'm staying where I am. I see this opportunity as like such a huge one. You know, right now I have lots of neobank clients, like a lot of the ones that Michelle mentioned, they're using payroll aggregation to quickly capture direct deposits. So like instead of having to send a form to HR, which is like full of friction. They can just do it in seconds now. And then on the lending side of things, rather than having to upload pay stubs and like do all that annoying stuff to get a loan or a mortgage, it can all happen in seconds by connecting your payroll account. The use cases are pretty endless. Like I just applied for a new apartment. I had to do all of those verification things. All of that becomes easily done in a click rather than wasting all this time. And I love the fact as well that it ties into what Michelle was talking about earlier with it's like a really mission-driven thing in terms of now we can potentially give loans to people that had no alternative but to go to a, a loan shark or a payday lender that was giving them insane interest rates. You know, now we can do much fairer lending and, you know, I just feel like this is something that I want to stay invested in for many years to come. Yeah, I, I, as someone who's really interested in like small business lending in particular, it's fascinating to think about how one, this type of data and like marrying 
a lot more, it's going to change what the outcome is as far as like a loan decision, but also just the user experience. You know, I think we all grew up thinking that you'd have to provide like what felt like hundreds of pages and signatures. And now with all of these integrations, you know, wow, life it can be so much easier and it could also be safe for the user. Is there anything that our listeners could do to like help your mission and help NYC FinTech Women? So definitely follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. We're on all of those. Definitely sign up to be a member. It's completely free and we're very open in who, you know, we accept everyone and definitely the male allies that are listening. We would love your support because we believe that if we're going to make real change, we need to be working together. So we would love any involvement from our male counterparts. And I'll add to is to be very intentional at how you think about diversity in your day-to-day professional career and lives. You know, we tend to fall back on who we know and our networks, but, you know, kind of taking a step back and saying, okay, am I reaching out beyond my network? Can I be more inclusive? Seeing, you know, what that we call the manals, right? So panels with all men, um, you know, calling that out if you see it. We do that all the time. And so just being very kind of conscious and cognizant of, of the diversity that we can have in the industry and, and being part of that voice of change, I think is important. And continue to build your network, right? Like, and that's a big thing for us is, you know, by helping our mission grow is by building your own network and building a very diverse network, which we think is important. Awesome. Thank you. And it wouldn't be our podcast unless you get to answer one fun question. So if you could send a note to yourself in 2030, what would it say? 2030. Okay. So that's in nine years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Buy that vacation house? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think it, one is how can you think about the impact that you have, not just in the broader industry, but with companies too. So part of what I'm trying to do this year is to do more investing through angel investing and through other different means, not just public markets. But because there's just been a little bit of a step back when it comes to VC money going to female founders. And so for me, I'd love to say in 2030, hey, Michelle, you invested in so many great female funded companies. And that's really changing kind of the landscape. Like I love Harlan Hamilton from Backstage Capital, like her story and her focus. She's my hero. You know, would love to be a mini Harlan if I could ever be. That's probably never, not going to happen to her extent. But to say, hey, you know, how are you impacting the community, but how are you also investing more specifically in this community, either with money or with time? I would probably say like, hey, I don't know what it's like for you right now, but this has been pretty awesome. Like what we've been able to achieve in four years, um, like Michelle, myself, Nicole Newland, our whole amazing fintech women team, Adina Fisher, Elsie, like all of the amazing women. I'm hoping that it's like at even the next level, but like, it's just been incredible. And I think like we should all be like really proud of the progress we've made. You know what we should say, Sasha, is in 10 and nine years, be like, hey, great. We made it to 50% female. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Check. I don't know how to quantify that or to <laughs> gather the data for that, but it's going to happen. That's, that is actually our goal. When we talk about like what's our mission or our goal, it's always at least 50%. And so how do we get to that 50%? 
but I say that to a couple of people, they're like, how do you measure that? Or that's pretty a uh, big job. It's like, well, yeah, someone, you need to start from somewhere. Thank you for starting from scratch. It really means a lot from all of us in the industry. And like I mentioned before, it was so amazing to be part of this like wonderful supportive network in New York. And, you know, now trying to build that up in other, other cities, I'm really excited for you guys. And I really appreciate your time again. Well, thanks for having us. It was really fun to chat. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech Podcast. If you love our show, please write us a review or engage with us on social media. We greatly appreciate your support and it helps us spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Medium at Warren Fintech. Here you'll access interviews, articles, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. As always, a very special thank you to our wonderful editor, Rafael Ostria. Until next time, your host, Gabby.